What a great, uh, a great way to get things going here. And, and how true is that? One life. I'll tell you, it's it, more and more I realize that we got one life and it's short. And we got to live it well. And as I get, as I get older, it seems to go faster. And I, I try to explain that as I do in like... It, time compresses as you get older because you've lived more years. So this amount of years is a higher, uh, you know, a, a higher percentage. Of and I figure it all out. And then I always have somebody say, no, that's not it. When you're going downhill, it's always faster. <laughs> so must be it. We, um, as we move into this Christmas season, leading up to Christmas, we're going to start a new series. It's uh, called God With Us. And I, and I just have to say, um, up until... I don't remember if it was Thursday or Friday. Had the, the series all planned. I had made the graphics for it and gotten everything ready. And that's not what we're doing right now. Because I, that morning, I woke up at 2 o'clock. And it's like, okay, no problem. Go back to sleep. Never went back to sleep. Ended up coming in here at 2 o'clock and working for hours and hours on this, this the message. Oh, no, I worked at home. Then when I came in here early, um, I thought, I'm, I am ahead. This is just Good. And God said, that's not the series we're doing. <laughs> no. So this is, God changed things, and I'm very excited about it. But this leads, this will lead us up to Christmas. We'll build, build a little bit each week to Christmas. And, and as you know, what we say here is every week at Journey North Church is a good week to invite people. When God lays somebody on your heart to ask, you ask them. But we also know that times like Christmas and Easter are times when many people are saying, you know, I could go to church. And if they're going to go to church, they might as well go to the best one. I mean, to ours and to ours, which same thing, same thing. But so I want to, I want to have you kind of uh, understanding what we're going to do. We're going to do what we did last year with our Christmas services. We're going to, we're going to lead up to that with that, but go uh, Christmas at Journey North. Go ahead and put the, the schedule up. What we're going to do is Friday night, it's a Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve service. One of the things we like to do is to make sure that we don't take people, especially a lot of them, we have so many volunteers that do so many things around here. We don't want taking them away from their family too much. And so what we're going to do is Friday night seems to work good. We're going to do our Christmas, uh, one of our Christmas services Friday night, and it'll be, you know, candlelight and everything, but it's really the fourth part in this series. Because all, um, when we go, Sunday is actually Christmas Eve day, but we're not going to do anything Christmas, uh, actually, the Eve, it wouldn't be Christmas Eve Eve. We're not going to do anything Christmas Eve. We're going to do something Christmas Eve day, and that's regular 9 and 1030 here. But those will be the same services as Friday night was. So we'll do Friday night, two on Sunday. So here's, here's why we do this. One of the reasons is because we want you to be able to come. And we don't know what your schedule is, but we also want you to be able to bring somebody. And so you might be thinking of inviting someone and they can't do Sunday, but they could do Friday. Or they can't do Friday, but they could do one of the Sunday ones. The other thing it does is it gives you the opportunity to work in one. Because you can go to one and worship and you can volunteer in the other one for the various things that we do. So that's what's coming up. You can kind of keep that in mind as you make your plans. That's what Christmas at Journey in Our Church is going to be. And we're going to lead up to that starting today with part one of God is with us. Today we're going to be talking about in the valley. God is with us in the valley. And what I want to do is I want to start this series with just a verse from Matthew's telling of the Christmas story in your worship folder. 
is an outline, and there's only a couple fill-ins, but um, there, there's spaces between the verses that I think some of you are going to need to write some of this down, because you're in this position and you need to know this right now. But Matthew's telling of the Christmas story, it occurs right after God speaks to Joseph in, in a dream. One of the four dreams that God speaks to Joseph in, Joseph has these dreams where angels and God speak to him. But right after one of these, that's where this quote from Matthew comes from. This is actually a quote, uh, Matthew quotes this, from Isaiah, which is 700 years before Christ was born. It was uh, predicting and prophesying, Isaiah talks a lot about um, what the Messiah is going to be, how he's going to be born, how he's going to live, how he's going to die, written 700 years before his birth. That's what one of these quotes is from, but in Matthew it says it like this, look, the virgin will conceive a child, and because this is Christmas time, we read that statement and then move on. That's not possible for a virgin to conceive a child. But with God, all things are possible. And he says, something is going to happen here that's going to change all of history. He says, look, a virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means, read that with me. God is with us. This is huge. God is with us. And we hear this a lot at Christmas time. And it, we hear it sometimes too often. And it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. And, and I know that because I think some of you might be like me sometimes. I think for most Christians, it's easy to believe that God is with us on the mountaintop. When things are going the way we think they should go, and, and things are running a little bit more smoothly. It may be big things. It may be little things. Maybe your job situation wasn't the best, but out of the blue, you get a raise, and things are looking good, and it's easy to say, oh, God, praise the Lord. It's easy to see God with us during those times. It might be during big times, during little times, you know, your sports team wins. God's with us. <laughs> Sometimes that's what it takes. But maybe for some of you, it's like, my kid finally slept through the night. It's never happened before. We experienced that many times. And it was like, yes, we, we understand the presence of God when big things like that happen. Maybe you're just driving to the, to the busy mall to get something this time of year and a parking spot opens up right near the front. And you say, God provides. And it's easy when, when we're on, uh, on one of those plateaus, you know, mountaintop experience when maybe it's just a season where life seems to be going a little bit better. It's easy to see that uh, or to believe that, that God is with us. But how many of you would say that's a little bit tougher in the valleys, right? When things aren't going the way they should go, it's a little bit harder to believe that God is with us because that's the times when we start to feel alone, we can have people all around us and feel alone. I understand this because I go through it. You can have a crowd of people talking to your face and feel alone and feel scared and, and, and be hurting inside. Maybe you received some bad news. Maybe it's just general bad news. It might be about you. It might be about a loved one. There might just be something going on, and you're in the valley. And that can be all kinds of different things. Maybe you're married, and your marriage is not going the direction that you think it should go. 
And maybe you're, maybe you're struggling, maybe you're both struggling, you're trying to do something, but you're going through a valley, and it's a lot harder to feel the presence of God and to say, yes, I believe God is with us. It's hard to feel that. Maybe your kids are struggling. Maybe it's a struggle at, at your job, and things aren't going the right direction. Maybe, maybe there is no job anymore. And you're in that valley, and it's hard to feel God's presence. You have relationships that aren't going the direction they're supposed to go. And every time you get together, there's problems. Maybe it's a bad report from the doctor. But we go through these valleys. And valleys are places where there are battles. When you read through the Bible, that's where all the, the battles took place, is in the valley. The valleys are places of loneliness. The valleys are places of desperation. But here's what you need to understand. They are also places of growth. They are places that build our faith. Because the truth is, we experience God in a different way in the valley than we do on the mountaintop. So here's the truth for today. This is on your outline. You're taking notes. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. And I want to kind of to, to bring, breathe a little life into this by walking through a passage from Psalm 84 in order for us to see that God is with us even in the valleys. Um, I'm going to start in verse 5 of Psalm 84. And it says this, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. He's talking to God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. And before I move on, I just want to explain that a little bit. What this psalm is talking about, Psalm 84, it's talking about, remember, th this is long before Jesus came. Long before Emmanuel came, who is God with us. And when, when they thought of the presence of God, when they thought of experiencing God, when they thought of that, that intimate communion with God, they thought of a place. Because there was a place that they would go to, whether depending on their situation, it could have been the tabernacle, it could have been the temple. They would go to Jerusalem and go to the temple because that was the house of God and there was a special presence of God there, and that's where they would go to experience it, and this, this author of the psalm even talks about the birds are lucky because they get to build nests there and be around God all the time. That was the thinking then. I grew up in, in a setting that maybe some, some of you have a little bit of this as well, and I think it, 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 it warped me a little bit because I grew up hearing over and over and over, don't run in the house of God. This is God's house. Don't run. And it's like, oh, I think if he was here, he'd be running with me and playing tag. And then I would be grounded and bad things would happen. But I grew up with this fear of the house of God. And it wasn't until I came to know him intimately that I realized he doesn't live in this kind of house anymore. He lives here. For people who have accepted Jesus as the one who paid the price for our sins, he came, God with us, Emmanuel, God became a man, lived with us for 33 years, 
ministered for the last three and a half years of his life, telling everyone that by believing in him, they could know the Father. They could have a relationship with God, and God would actually come to live in us. That I don't have to worry. So, so now I get joy out of the fact that I am, I am going to be able to run again soon. My knee's getting better, and, and, and I realize that it doesn't matter if I'm on the treadmill or if I'm outside. I can think of all those uh, grumpy old people from my church and say, no matter where I'm running, I'm running with the house of God. Because this is the house of God, and it's perfectly okay. They, however, didn't have that. So they looked at, oh, we need to go to this place to experience God's presence. Now, they knew that it wasn't about the place. It was about the presence of God. So the author of this psalm is talking about making a pilgrimage to get closer to God, to feel his presence closer. And he says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. That's what he's talking about. And verse 6 as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. There's this progression until they actually are with him again and have that personal experience. But in order to get there, it talks about going through the valley of Baca. What's the Valley of Baca? It sounds like something from Star Wars. <laughs> valley of Baca is desert country. Baca is, a, is a, like a tree or a bush, um, and it's, it's, it has thorns on it, and it lives in these dry, desert, arid places. And it doesn't, it's not like there's this path through the valley. It's like you're in this desert valley, and there's these thorn bush things all over the place. There's wild animals. There's venomous snakes, vipers, all kinds of dangers. And you can't just walk your path through the valley because you brush up against one of these bushes and it's going to do damage to your leg. It's going to hurt. And you have to make your way through this. And what they would say is it is nearly impossible to travel through the valley of Baca without facing trouble and hardship. It's just the way it is. The Valley of Baca, literal translation is Valley of Tears, Valley of, of Weeping, Valley of Loss. And here's what we fail to see sometimes. We're on the mountaintop at a point in our life, maybe not as long as we'd like, but we remember this mountaintop and experience it. And there's going to be another mountaintop here. That's what we're looking for. That's where we'd like to live, like all the time. You realize that the reason those are mountaintops is because there's a valley between them. If everything was mountaintop, there'd be no mountaintop. There's valleys between there. You have this mountain, then you have this valley of tears leading up to another mountain. And he says on this journey in verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, God. That's where it comes from to be able to make it through this valley of trouble and hardship, we recognize that our strength is in God. And so if you're listening to this today and you don't know God personally, you know about church, you know about religion, but you don't know God personally, then what you have, what strength you have 
is all you got. Because I can say my strength is in him. Because I have that relationship with him. And if you don't have him, then what you have is all you got. And that's why too often when we're in the valley, we say, I am exhausted. I How many of you said, I can't take this anymore? I personally like quoting Popeye. That's all I can stands and I can't stands no more. We get to that point where we say, I don't think I can make it. And the reason is because we're relying on our strength. And he says, blessed are those, happy are those, joyful are those whose strength is in God. You see, it doesn't say, blessed are those who can make it on their own. Most of us think that. Most of us think that we can make it on our own. We won't even often tell people the valley that we're going through. We'll put up the walls and, and, and we'll, we'll build the facade and wear the mask and not let people know because I'm just going to get through this. It's going to be okay. You know, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and everything's going to be fine. It doesn't say blessed are those who can make it on their own. Our culture prides the independence of, of things. That I can do this. The truth is, we were created to depend on God. We weren't created to do it on our own. If you could do it all on your own, you wouldn't need God. But this newsflash for some of you, God is God, you are not. And if you're trying to make it on your own, you're going to be stuck in the valley of tears and weeping and sorrow. Because we were created to depend on God. When we are weak, then his strength is made perfect. That's how it works. That's how it's designed to work. The New Living Translation translates verse 5 like this. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They're talking about going to a place. What he's talking about is setting your mind on God. Because that's what this is all about. His pilgrimage is not just to see a place. It's to encounter a person. And that's God. Blessed are those who have set their minds toward God. All, this is all through the Bible in Colossians 3. Set your minds on things above, not on things below. When we focus on, on what we're going through and we focus on the valley of Baca that we happen to be going through, it's not going to end well for us if we focus there. Philippians 4 says whatever is true, pure, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. You know, think about these things. We have to focus on those things because I say this all the time here because it's so huge. What you think about matters. What you think about, what you rehearse those things you tell yourself matter in all areas of life. We talk about people. We shouldn't talk about people the way we do, but we do. And this person might have these good characteristics and qualities, but they also have these over here that are not so good. What's more fun to talk about? We talk about the bad things, and here's what we do. We reinforce those in our minds. 
And pretty soon we're looking at that person, and sometimes it's a relationship that we really need to have. It really needs to be good. But we rehearse those bad things in our minds so often that that's what becomes the truth for us. What you think about matters. What we tell ourselves matters. God's got a sense of humor. I woke up this morning, not at 2, fortunately. I woke up at 5. I'm not an early riser, okay? I haven't had my coffee yet. Still, hang on. I woke up, and, and here's what I did for about way too long. I don't know how long it was. I am never going to get back to sleep. I'm going to be tired. I see people yawn when I preach. I've done it long enough. I'm, I, I live with it. No big deal. It's never good when I yawn and I'm preaching. Okay, so I'm laying down. I gotta, I'm not going to get back to sleep. I can't sleep. And after about 15 minutes, God reminded me of this point in the sermon and said, "Okay, now isn't it important the things that you think and say?" Like, okay, couldn't you just remind me of that when I woke up when my alarm went off? But we say, "I'll never get to sleep," and then we don't because we've talked ourselves into it. What we have to do is focus our mind on something different. The Bible talks in Romans about renewing our mind, about refocusing. It talks, like I said, in Colossians 3 and Philippians 4 about thinking about the right things. So here's where you need to be. Your circumstances, my circumstances may be in the valley, but my mind is fixed on God. That's a choice. It's a choice we have to make, not just once in the valley, but day by day, moment by moment. My heart may be anxious, but my mind is fixed. My soul may be aching, but my mind is fixed. My emotions might be racing, but my mind is fixed. We move into this Christmas season, and you might be thinking, I have way too much to do. And we work so hard that we come out the other side not having experienced his presence because we're so focused on all the things that we have to do instead of my mind is fixed on him. You have relationships in a bad place. And instead of focusing on those, you're going through that valley. Instead of focusing on those, we say my mind is fixed. On things above. It's not, it's gonna, it's not going to take me out of that. It's going to get me through it. Maybe for some of you, we talk about Christmas time, and you think, oh, Christmas time. I'm going to get together with family, and it's going to be great. And some of you are Christmas time. I'm going to get together with family. <laughs> Ooh, yay. <laughs> it depends on where our mind is fixed. Because the situations sometimes are what they are. But when we fix our mind on God, it allows us to be able to get through the valley, which is the next point. Another key in verse 6 says this, as they passed through the valley of Baca, underline, circle, whatever you need to do, that word through. As they passed through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. We may be in the valley, 
You may be in a valley, maybe the worst one you've ever been through. It's not the destination. The valley is not the destination. You're just passing through it. You've heard me say this many times. I understand that on a regular basis, people can go through hell. When you're going through hell, don't stop. Bad place to stop. Keep going because you want to get through it. David writes in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We don't stop there. We walk through it. Here's the problem. Too many times. How many of you have been in the middle of a difficult valley? Maybe not. And like me, the prayer has been, I just want out. I I just want out. Get me out of this, God. I just want out. Like this service. You're thinking, oh my God, is this ever going to end? God, I just want out. I just made it really difficult for anybody to leave now. (laughs) Here's what you need to understand. Just like this service. The way is through, not out. We're going through the valley. That's the point. Jerusalem, Zion, depending on which translation you look at, it's the house of God. It's a city of refuge. It's it's the place of peace. And in this passage, it's saying to get to the place of peace, and they knew this because it was a physical thing. You could see it on the map. To get to the place of peace, you had to travel through the Valley of Tears. You see, we all want to get to the place of peace. But we don't want to travel through the Valley of Tears. But for most of us, I think really for all of us, the valley is the pathway to the place of peace. You have to go through it to get to where you need to be with God. We look at verse 6 again, but highlight something different. It says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rain also covers it with pools. Remember, this is the desert. King James translates it, make it a well. When you're going through the valley of Baca, make it a well. It's saying, when you're in a dry place, dig a well. Dig a small hole to catch the rain. It's it's a metaphor for blessing. You're in this difficult time. You're in this valley that's bad. It's dry. You're in the desert. There's dangerous things. You might not even be able to see the end of it. But in faith, we dig a well. We dig a hole. Knowing that God is going to fill that up and bless us right in the middle of the valley that we're going through. Because here's what God says all throughout Scripture. Show me your faith. And I'll show you my faithfulness. We want God to show up. God says, you want me to show up? Show me your faith. And I'll show you my faithfulness. I almost played a clip here, but I didn't. You can go home and look it up on YouTube. It's called, um, go to YouTube, type Indiana Jones Walk of Faith. It's, it's in, I think, the third one, the third movie. It, there's this big culvert, here, a big 
it's a way huge ditch, you know, gigantic. And, and he walks through this little passage and it says you have, to, you have to make a leap of faith. And he looks and it's like there's nothing there. But he has to do that to save his friend. It's a long movie. Um, and so he does this. He takes his first step and when he goes like this, he's, he's stepping on something. And then the camera kind of turns and the, the, the path that he's walking on blended in perfectly with the other side. And you couldn't see that until you looked from the side, which you couldn't because you're looking out this little thing. There is, a, there is a point when we're in the valley where God tells us there's a step of faith you need to take. And we can't see it. That's why it's called faith. And we have to take that faith step, and God says, show me your faith, and I will show you my faithfulness. It happens all throughout Scripture when Jesus walked this earth. There was many times when he used these exact words. There was a guy who had one hand that was all crippled and paralyzed. And, and he wanted to be made whole. And you remember what Jesus said to him? Stretch out your hand. You know what the guy could have said? I can't. Do you see this? I can't. Jesus said, stretch out your hand. You show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. And when he stretched out his hand, it was made whole. He tells the beggar laying on the carpet who can't walk because he's crippled from birth, pick up your mat and walk. He could have said, I can't. This valley is too tough. It's beaten me down too much. And he would have never experienced the blessing and faithfulness of God. Had he not taken that step? I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's, it's I was going to say, as simple as, not simple. Maybe, maybe it's something like getting in shape. I need to get in better shape. So I think I'll watch a TV program on it. <laughs> <laughs> While I eat my chips and drink my pop, you know. We have to take a step of faith if we want that to happen. There, that, that's true in so many areas of life. Maybe you're struggling financially, and God has said, here's what I'd like you to do. And you say, I can't. I can't. But we forget that it's the God of the universe who has everything asking us to do that. And then when we take the step of faith, that's when he shows up with faithfulness and blesses us, not because of what we've done, but because without faith it's impossible to please him. That's what the author of Hebrews says. It might be with relationships that are struggling right now. He's asking you to take a step of faith and you don't want to. Or you don't feel you can. And nothing is going to change until you do. You're going through this valley that you can't see an end to. The skies are, are bright blue with no clouds and no chance of sun. And it's beating down on you. And the snakes and the scorpions are there. And the bushes are cutting your legs. And he says, dig a hole. It's like, no, I'm not digging a hole. But when you dig the hole, he can fill it up and refresh you and bless you. Here's, here's this passage. This is a passage of pain in this valley. Buried in this passage of pain is a promise. But you have to dig it out. The promise is, if you dig it, God will fill it. That's what it says. If you dig it, God will fill it. He does this all throughout Scripture. You draw near to me, I will draw near to you. 
If you seek me, you will find me. If you make room for me, I will reveal myself to you. When we step out in faith, he shows us his faithfulness. See, God rarely does this on our timetable. He rarely reveals himself when we're rushed. You know, you got to show up, God. You got to do this. If I'm going to do this, you got to show up. Come on, come on, come on. That's how we do it. Moses, great example. We think of Moses and the burning bush and how God called Moses out of a bush that was burning and not consumed and spoke to him and was able to lead people out of slavery in Egypt. And we think of all these great things, but we forget, and we want our burning bush experience. We forget what it took for him to get there. For 40 years, the first 40 years of his life, he was raised in Egypt and educated in Egypt and trained in Egypt. And knew that it was time to do something, but it went south, literally. And things got bad, and Moses had to leave. And for the next 40 years, he was a shepherd. And at the end of that 40 years, he's out leading the sheep, thinking, this is it. This is what I'm going to be. God shows up. Because God rarely shows up when we're rushed. And it took 40 years for him to calm Moses down, enough to hear him. God says, be still and know that I am God. Prepare for the presence of God. You see, we prepare for the presence of God in the valley. If all we ever had was mountaintops, we'd not be prepared for the presence of God. And I know that everyone's gone through these valleys. Some of you are going through one right now. Some are going through valleys that are far harder and more painful than the rest of us can even imagine. We're going through these difficult times. Here's what I want for you more than anything. I want you to get through that valley so that you can stand on the mountain once again and look back and realize God is with us. He was with me in the valley. God never says that you won't go through the valleys. In fact, he promises that we will. But he does say this, you will never have to go through the valley alone. So you're saying, it's, it's dark. It's dark, and it's like a storm swirling around me. And it is filled with trouble and I am just weak. I just can't do it anymore. You need to understand he's the light in your darkness. He's the peace in the storm. He's the joy in the trouble. He's the strength for the weak. We're not designed to do it on our own. He wants to be there for you. That's why this time of year... Focus on the fact that he said that baby that's coming that we're going to celebrate in a few weeks, yeah. Emmanuel, which means God with us. He promised to never leave us. We enjoy him on the mountain. But we get to know him intimately in the valley.
So seek his strength, fix your mind, and dig well. Because God is with us. I'd like to read from a psalm that you don't always hear in this context, but um, it's brought great comfort to me. Um, Verse 7 of Psalm 139 starts, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is with us. When we come into a relationship with him through Jesus, he will never leave us. And you may be in the valley and not feel it at the moment. That's why you need to seek his strength. You say, I can't do it. You weren't made to do it. He can do it. Fix your mind on him, and whatever he's asking you to do in faith, do it. Take a well. Obey him. Let's pray. Father, there are many times when we go through these these valleys of sorrow, valleys of tears, valleys of pain, and it's easy for us to, to not experience your presence. And I ask, Father, that as as we come into this season of the year with all the good and all the bad that comes with it, that we would focus on the fact that your promise is that you are with us. And that everybody listening to this that's, that's already recognized that their sin separated them from God, they've already repented, turned from that, turned to Jesus and said, I can't do it on my own. I'm trusting you and what you did on the cross paid for my sin. And that I can have a relationship with God because of you. That everybody who's already experienced that would recognize that whether they're on the mountaintop or the valley, God is with us. And we may enjoy him on the mountaintop, but we can get to know you intimately in the valleys. And that would be my prayer. And Father, for anybody listening to this who's never experienced that, that they they know about church and, and, and the religious part of things, but not about the relationship with you. That this morning they would recognize that when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me, that they would recognize this baby that we're celebrating this season grew to be a man and paid the price for our sin by willingly dying on the cross, not for his sin, but for ours, so that by accepting what he did, we could be free we could have the very presence of God in us. That as we experience it and rejoice on the mountaintops, we can also experience joy in the valley as we realize our strength is in you. Father, thank you for what you're doing here. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. that just a perfect end to that he wants you to get through the valley and realize that he was with you the whole time i was talking with a friend this week and i was reminded about that poem the footprints thing you know where a guy looks back on his life and he sees the two sets of footprints and jesus he says i see that you are with me but during these really difficult times i only see one set
you know, did you leave me? Because that's what it feels like. He says, no, those were the times I carried you. And I look back on that and I realize there's another, there, there are other prints in my life as well. I see skid marks. <laughs> and I say, Jesus, what's the skid marks? He said, that's when I dragged you. <laughs> you just weren't coming. You don't want him to drag you through it. You want him to walk with you through it. And he promises to never leave us or forsake us. So if you're in that valley, first of all, don't stay there. That's not the destination. We're going through it with his strength. It's by his strength that we can go through it. So we fix our minds on him. We fix our minds on eternity. We fix our minds on things above. We think about the good things. And whatever he asks us to do, our answer is yes. yes. Dig a well. Dig a hole. Whatever he asks you to do so that he can fill it with blessing. Father, thank you so much for each person that's here. I know that there are many here that are, are, are maybe in those valleys of sorrow and tears and trouble right now. My prayer, Father, is that you would let them know that that's not the destination. That they can get through that with your strength. Help them to renew that strength, to be able to see you, to experience you afresh. As they just step out in faith and you show up with your faithfulness. Father, thank you for what you're doing here in us and through us. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.